Thanks for listening to the Faith Radio podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. I'm Carmen LaBurge. I hope you enjoy. Merry Christmas. We're looking back at some of our important conversations this past year. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're going to fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're going to stand, we stand as giants. If we're going to walk, we walk as lions. So for 2024, the Forbes health one poll survey found some resolutions that are pretty common um, across America. So I don't think this is going to surprise you. People across the country have basically five quote unquote resolutions for 2024. Improved fitness, improved finances, improved mental health. They want to lose weight and they want to improve their diet. I view improving fitness, losing weight and improving diet pretty much all together as one thing. So that, if you just add those up, you're talking about um, a huge percentage of people that have one of those goals in their top five uh, in terms of resolutions. What's not there? What's not there? There's no emphasis on anything but the self. Did you notice that? There's no sense of being called to invest in community or in other people or um, in in the gospel, nobody has as their resolution on this survey anyway. Um, hey, number one resolution: I'm gonna I'm gonna walk my faith in Jesus out into the world that He so loves, and do so in ways that honor Him, so more and more people might be saved. What might that look like if that were our resolution for 2024? And maybe we don't make resolutions at all. Maybe we just commit ourselves. Maybe we make commitments instead of resolutions. Maybe we commit ourselves to allowing God to renew us moment by moment, day by day. What might that look like? Like, that's, um, that's not something that I have to do. Did you hear that? I could be committed to allowing God to renew me moment by moment, day by day in the new year. We could start with a commitment to consistently be in the Word of God, that our minds might be renewed and our thoughts transformed that we would actually cultivate the mind of Christ on the matters of the day. We could commit to thinking about what we're thinking about, taking every thought captive. We could commit to thinking about why we think about what we think about the way we think about it. (laughs) Like, right? That's the God conversation behind, um, behind every conversation about what we're thinking. We can ask God to help us see what he sees. Areas um, in I don't know, our vocabulary, our tone, our way of speaking that aren't glorifying him or aren't edifying others. I need to commit to bring um, anger under submission. Like I need to commit to being slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I don't mind telling you that. I need to commit to treating my body as a temple of the Holy Spirit and following God's lead in terms of fuel in and literal activated moving out. What about you? Not resolutions, but commitments before the Lord, inviting him moment by moment to bring us into greater conformity with Christ, his character and his ways. I'm going to encourage you again to look for and join a Bible study in your community. 
I'm going to encourage you to use a Bible reading plan to get into the Word of God every day. You can do that at MyFaithRadio.com. I'm going to invite you to commit to the discipline of prayer. Pray for me. Pray for those who, um, who you hear on Faith Radio. Pray for the news headlines. I recently saw an artistic rendering of a small, dirty, lost sheep in the foreground, and Jesus running full speed toward that little lost, dirty sheep in the dark forest. Are we pursuing lost people like that? Are we running full steam ahead toward the hurting, the broken, and the lost? Of course we're not. So might that be a better calling for Christians in 2024 than our own fitness, finances, mental health, or diet? What if we, as Christians, actually embraced the Great Commission and pursued lost and broken and hurting people in 2024, allowing God to renew us moment by moment that the gospel might go forth? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. It's a special edition during this Christmas week, and we're going to continue in our conversation with our friend Jeff Christofferson about being a different kind of church, being church differently. We arrive today at um, temptation number four. We say everyone is welcome, but are we actually actively searching for lost sheep? That conversation next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hazardous smoke conditions across much of North America. Canadian wildfires. Mm -hmm. Jeff Christofferson is back. He is a Canadian wildfire of a different kind. (laughs) Good morning, sir. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? It's a fresh wind of the spirit. That's what I'm I'm just saying. Where there's smoke, there's fire. (laughs) Yeah. On behalf of all of us in Canada, I apologize (laughs) for our... (laughs) I won't make you keep doing that every time you come on unless you just keep sending smoke our way, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So we have arrived today at temptation number four. Um, It would be helpful for, you know, people who have slept since the last time that we talked and for people who have not yet heard a conversation that you and I have had. um, Brief us in on Once You See, Seven Temptations of the Western Church. For those of you listening, it's a novel approach to the conversation about uh, where we are in the church today and the kingdom correctives um, offered in relationship to that. So we arrived today at temptation number four. So just briefly, Jeff, what's the list? Yeah, so I talk about philosophicalism, and that is this temptation towards a, a hypothetical faith. We, we say we're a, a Bible-believing people, but what we mean that often is intellectual assent. We 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 believe these facts, but understanding belief in New Testament is obedience. And, uh, and so philosophicalism doesn't cut it, and it's actually the mother of all problems that I think we're seeing in the church. Second one is professionalism, and that's this temptation towards excellence. And, uh, and we, we celebrate, we have a gifted pastoral team, and we kind of contract out ministry to them. And, uh, and that's another reason why we're in the situation we're in. Um, the third one is this temptation, what we call, I call present, presentationalism, and that is this temptation of a crowd. And, uh, and we celebrate it by saying our worship is firing, our preach, preaching is strong, and, and we're trying to actually, we see the church as a gathering or we see the church as a crowd. And uh, again, 
it's uh it's fruit of that first one of philosophicalism where we we rather learn things about god than obey things and uh and that brings us to today and uh and that is this temptation towards comfort and uh and we i call this one passivism we we roll out the welcome mat we say everybody's welcome and uh and yet um doesn't seem to be working it doesn't seem to be the plan that Jesus had for us it doesn't seem to be even the the uh, witness that we see in the book of acts of what what the uh what the methodology was uh and so that's where we are i like um the conversation that you lead us into and it is this story about being physically lost can you take us uh to saskatchewan Take me to, and uh, and what and. So and you talk, talk about, about growing up near the vast forested lakes of northern Saskatchewan, and this child being lost, and how terrifying that is. But there's only one thing you say um, more terrifying uh, than, or you know, than being lost, and that's knowing that nobody is looking for you. Thank you. Thanks for prompting what you were asking. That is right. I mean, can you imagine? Because I, I, uh, I think that's the reality of a lot of people, and and the the source of many of the the problems, maladies, mental illness is that there's no hope. Um, mm. People understand they're lost, and they don't see any hope or any way out of it. And um, and I think we're seeing that as epidemic in um, across North America. And so here we have. Um, Evangelicalism is is losing membership uh, at a, at a clip, a fast fast pace. I, I love the way you set this thing up, and you were being generous in your in your um, in your numbers just by the fact that you threw in every world religion in that that number. And uh, but evangelicalism is actually losing its it its market, <laughs> and. Um, and we we're trying to double down. We're trying to say we just need to do what we were doing, only do it better, harder, you know, more earnestly. And um, and it, it isn't working. The idea of um, generationally unchurched people driving across and seeing a church building, and uh, and they have about as much interest in what's going on there as perhaps maybe many in our audience do when they drive by a. A Kiwanis Club, or or the Royal Mel, uh, Order of Moose, and going, what's mm-hmm. what's going on in that lodge? There's just not a lot of interest there. Yeah, it, this this idea that we are sent as followers of the one who came to seek and to save the lost, and we are sent by him on a rescue mission into enemy territory, at risk of our own lives, because it is by sacrifice that um, that we are saved. And how do we imagine that we can just sit comfortably, um, you know, I don't know, and post things on the Internet and expect people to come or put up a road sign and expect people to stop um, and, in. And so, you know, this is uh, this is beggars who have found the food showing other beggars where the food is. That's one way of thinking about this. It's also people who have, you know, found the, uh, you know, found the door, found the exit from the burning building and and staying inside and close enough to the flame, yes, with the very chance that we're going to get scorched by it, but showing other people the way out. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, and it, and how is beggars. a lost person? Yeah, I mean, how is a lost person going to get unlost if no one goes to find them? And what makes it worse is 
that we are, to use your illustration, beggars, uh, telling other beggars, but we have actually beggars who have accustomed a certain taste and we only like um, snails. And um, and we only like a certain kind of snail. And, my, and, we, and we begin to talk about our preferences and all the things that we're talking about seem off-putting to everyone else around us. And so the thing that we're describing is something that no one even wants to try or taste. And, um, and, and Jesus has this whole other plan for us. When you think about the absurdity of the picture that Jesus painted for us. So here's, here is a shepherd who has 100 sheep and... Um, and one of them is lost. And he says, you know, a normal uh, response is to leave the 99 that are safe and and go on this heroic mission for the one. That That's the normal response for for uh, someone with the heart of a father. And, um, and, and the reality is the numbers you just quoted, but if you just sort of factor those things really out and say okay what are what is the number of people that are in the relationship with Jesus Christ and and that number is going to range from maybe in in, in high urban areas 5 4 or 5% um in in more, more rural areas that's going to go up but um but nationally in the United States you're looking you know not much more than than 10 to 15% probably and um and so we have 10 to 15 safe sheep in the sheep pen and we have 85 to 90 of them that are out there <laughs> lost without hope without That's looking terrible. knowing that no one's looking yeah and and we won't we won't leave our safe sheep sheep pen to go after them why is that are we i mean is it genuine fear is it um, is it our desire to just enjoy the comforts that that we have found? Like I'm, I'm good, you know. I'm saved, you know. So what if everybody else goes to hell? Like that's a terrible, like that's terrible. Is that really what we think? It's it's starting to become what we think, and how we how we pacify our our minds in it is that there's a growing trend towards universalism amongst evangelicals, where mm. well maybe hell isn't a real place, mm. maybe. Maybe maybe there are other ways that we can get to God. Maybe maybe you know maybe this is my preferred way, but maybe other ways are good too. And you see that teaching or that idea actually becoming more normative in the in the hearts and minds of people who would call themselves Christian. And um, and so the the I think the problem is why why we're in this is it's a it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what the church of jesus christ is um for most of us so let's do this let's do this let's leave that as the hook it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what the church of jesus christ is so we want to understand accurately what the church of jesus christ is and so we're going to continue this conversation in just a moment do you have an accurate understanding of what the church of jesus christ actually is and is it just a building with a welcome mat, or is it a search and rescue mission? And if so, how do we get on it? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. TikTok. Yeah, TikTok is an app, but TikTok is also the reality of the year winding down to the end. So we're making lists. We're checking them twice. Things done, things left undone, gifts given, gifts we still need to buy. Would you help us with a gift before the end of the year? Time is ticking away, and this ministry is not possible without you. 
So I'm wondering if before the end of the year, you would make your best tax-deductible gift to support Faith Radio. Your gift right now keeps the good news in front of more people everywhere, all the time, anywhere, accessible through the Faith Radio app and at MyFaithRadio.com. So thank you for giving by clicking the link in the show notes or by giving today at MyFaithRadio.com. Tick-tock! One of the characters that you meet in Once You See, which is a novel by Jeff Christofferson, um, one of the characters that you meet, his name is Luca. He's a PK. He is the son of a pastor, um, and uh, he is still living in the neighborhood where his dad served his entire life. In fact, gave up his life, um, lost his life basically for the ministry, which finally kind of ate him up because after all these sheep bite. Um, and Luca uh, is making his way into a local jewelry store to buy his wife a gift. And they have had a, a renewal of um, not only a, a renewal of love, but a renewal of, of interest and passion. And God's really moving them in a, in a positive direction. So he wants to get her, a, get her a cross on a chain as a gift. And so he goes into the local jewelry store. It's been the local jewelry store that he's known his entire life. Like this is his neighborhood. This is where his church has been. This is where he's grown up. Um, it's a gospel influenced place or so he believes. And he meets there Brenda, who's in her thirties and, um, she offers to help. And he says, well, I'm, you know, I'm looking for a cross on a dainty, uh, chain, a small gold cross on a dainty chain. And, um, Brenda excitedly exclaims, this is on pages 57 and 58 of Once You See. Oh, we have just the ticket, sir. And then she proceeded to carefully bring out two dark velvet, uh, blue velvet trays from the bottom corner shelf. By the dust covering the hinged lid case, it was obvious that these were not in high demand. Now, sir, we have both kinds. We have the plain ones and the ones with the little man on them. There are 14 karat gold. This row is 10 karat gold. Any of these catch your eye? Jeff Christofferson is with us. Um, the culture doesn't know the little man on the cross, and that should horrify us. Mm. Um, so talk with us about the Church of Jesus Christ and what it is called to be. And, and Carmen, that yeah. that story is actually a real story. Um, I it, it was by me, and I was actually buying a cross for my wife, and I went to a a jewelry mm. store in a mall in, in the mm. city we live in. And I was met by a 30 some year old lady who gave me that same, I, that same uh, choice word for word. Uh, that's not fiction. <laughs> and, uh, and that poses the reality of the condition that we're in is people are not actively rejecting Christ. They have not heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And, um, and so taking us to our, um, the, the point that we're the what what is the church supposed to be? We have a list of preferences most of the time. We say, well, well, you know, I think a good church is a church that X Y Z, um, and 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 we have them usually related to somehow themes of of music or styles of music or styles of preaching. Um, they're, they're things that are from a platform and they're blowing towards us that we sit on a pew. And, uh, and the, the reality is the church of Jesus Christ is to be an interdependent community of disciples who are 
um, engaging with each other, equipping one another, and actually going and living as a living testimony of what the kingdom of God is in the community that they live. And and their their very essence, their very lives are this foretaste of what of what it is to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, what it is to be a flourishing human. And um and and so we we live in the midst of of this world, this light that's in the midst of this darkness, um, this salt in the midst of this this blase world, and uh, and the people around us, the response would be should be if we were this people going, I want that. How do I how do I have that? And then we first Peter three fifteen them we give them hope we share gently and with respect this hope that we have because they're asking or seeing this difference we on the other hand have actually just turned everything towards us and uh and we think that the church of jesus christ is is an institution that we attend we pay for we and um and because we we pay for it we we put money in that collection plate everything that that we get to say <laughs> our our preferences are the things that really count and uh and we i think we've missed the whole the whole big idea how is the um movement leader collective going you know, it's an incredible thing. <laughs> it's uh, I think since um, COVID, um, there's been there's been two different responses. Um, there, a lot of churches have um, doubled down, said we're going to we're just going to do what we were doing and only do it harder. And they're actually the diminishing returns on on that are are experienced. And there's a lot of frustration amongst church leaders across North America. But there's also a um, a sense of exasperation by many saying um, <laughs> they're, they're watching their people actually. And it's interesting to see the phenomenon the people who are, ha, are, are not coming back to church and who used to go to church. Uh, the, the predominant uh, profile of them are people who are actually the ones who are most involved in church. They're the ones that were doing the work, uh, doing the ministry, you know, doing all the things to keep the wheels moving. Those are the ones that are not actually coming back at the same rate. And the people who are coming back are the ones who are looking for the goods and services that church, the church offer. And so, so the, the pastoral teams of churches are actually pulling their hair out going, how, how do we actually move this? What's going on here? And there's, it's causing an angst amongst a lot of leaders in and going, maybe we need to rethink this. So uh, this this book that um, I wrote, the timing of it is actually it's it's touching a lot of people. Because like maybe there is a different way here, a different way that is more biblically accurate and actually more historically um, truthful to to the history of where 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 we have emerged from, and uh, and so it, I'm hopeful. I really am. I'm hopeful as well. Um, you guys can check out movement leaders collective.com. Um, and if you keep scrolling down, you can contact them and, um, and connect with them in ways that um, would be meaningful to you in your own context. Um, Jeff, I think one of the challenges that I hear from many, many people over and over and over again, and we don't have time to totally unpack this today, but, um, you know, they don't, they don't imagine that they're, the church that they're a part of is ever going to move in this direction. 
Um, and they and they really have a hard time imagining how they would even introduce such a shift in thinking to the leadership of their church. Could you just encourage them? It is a difficult thing in many cases. It's hard to get somebody to change the idea when their salaries depended on the old idea. <laughs> and um, and so it's a it's a difficult thing. But there is a fresh wind that is blowing, and um, and and uh, and you might find in your city um, a, a group of people that you can actually engage with and think. You might even be on your street. It might be a person that's uh, from a different faith community, a different a different tribe, and uh, but they love Jesus Christ and they want to see the people on your street come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe that's your opportunity to say, "Okay, let me put first things first, and uh, and let's let's make um, J- Jesus being known, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the most important thing for me." And uh, and so I'm going to actually start a conversation with a neighbor down the street who goes to a different church and say, how do we actually start praying for our neighborhood? How do we actually um, start to offer opportunities, barbecues, whatever, to get to know our neighbors and uh, and see what God might do? Um, it's an incredible journey to be on. It's a rush. Any chance you are in a growing church? Any chance you are in one of the fastest growing churches? What does that actually mean? What is that? Um, is growth the only goal? Um, what does it look like? What might it look like to measure our growth in terms of citywide gospel impact and actual discipleship of the cultivation of individual disciples being equipped to carry the gospel message to others? We're going to continue our conversation with Jeff Christofferson. The issue we're dealing with now um, is the is the issue of pragmatism. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Jeff Christofferson is the executive director of the Canadian National Baptist Convention. He's the executive director of the Church of Church Planting Canada. Um, he's a missiologist. He's also the author of Once You See. It is a novel approach to the conversation about the challenges we faced in, face in the Western church today and offers kingdom correctives. It's the best book I've read this year. And so we keep talking about it because I want everyone to not just read it, but begin living into the kingdom correctives that uh, that Jeff outlined. So Jeff, thank you again for coming back. It's my pleasure, Carmen. Thanks so much for letting me. So um, let's uh, let's do the little exercise of offering maybe an annual physical report on the church. And here we'll just bring um, the Western Church into view. Um, okay. And and you know, so we could do this like from a diagnostic approach. But I think sometimes it's just helpful, you know, to say, all right, if the church were to walk into the great physician and get a physical. Um, you know, how would the body of Christ be judged right now? Aging, anemic, limping, paralyzed, stiff neck, limber, responsive, spastic, bloated, agile. You see where I'm going, right? <laughs> I don't think agile would be the word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, or, or uh, I think limping might be a good a good word, and um, and not limping in in a 
in a sense, like we're walking with a limp and we're rejoicing in that because we understand in our weakness is God's strength. We actually are walking with a limp, but thinking we're strong and um, and thinking nothing needs to change. And we need to just sort of keep going in the direction we have been. And um, and I think that's the worst news. Talk with us about pragmatism. What is it? What is tempting about it? Um, and then what's the kingdom corrective? All right. Well, pragmatism is a temptation of competition. And so um, we we speak of kind of the local brand advancements or our, our local church outranking any kind of greater kingdom revelation that that happens. And when when the kingdom of God is our only goal, then the advancement of our individual brand um, becomes less of a thing. And because of this, the kingdom corrective is, you know, we're not celebrating. We are one of the fastest growing churches when we look around and see that, that actually there are less people in church now than there's ever been. And so we actually choose to measure growth in different terms. And that is, I would suggest citywide gospel impact is the most important thing. And uh, instead of the competition grasping over an evaporating market share of the evangelically predisposed, like how how do we get our piece of the pie? And uh, how do we get the Christian that's moving into the city rather than um, looking for the greater outcome, uh, the greater good of, of gospel proximity, the distance between a person who is um, needing to hear Christ and a person willing to share Christ and that distance closing instead of getting further and further, which has been the case for 40 years. And so um, pragmatism hasn't been helping us. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about gospel proximity. Um, I yeah. I think this is a different way of thinking for a lot of folks. Um when you when you just described it and you asked the question, you know, is gospel proximity growing? Is it getting is it getting wider? Is the gap between people who are possessed of the spirit of the living God and know the good news of the gospel is the proximity of our lives growing? Is it getting is there a, a gap widening between us and the people who are lost? Like, that's the question you're asking. And if that is. gap is getting wider, then we are failing. And uh, and you can measure it. Um, I mean, I, I think we, we alluded to this earlier uh, in one of our conversations. But if you just measure the amount of people in church on a Sunday in any uh, city in North America, and um, and measure it in the year 2009, and then again in the year 2019. So in that 10-year period, while we're in the midst of, you know, before COVID, before we had that that thing, um, in, in, in the good years, while we're, we can measure it, that in every city in North America, save one, um, there's one outlier, the there, there's far, far less people. In some, in some cities, it's dramatic how, how, how um, church-growing population has evaporated. Then you throw COVID in, and then after COVID, it is just really, and um, and the one, the one outlier is is Buffalo, <laughs> and uh, and I think I mentioned that, but I'll just remind for those who weren't listening, Buffalo is a um, 
the, the, the pastor, one of the, or actually of the largest church in Buffalo, um, he was a transitional pastor. He, he was on staff for a number of years. And then when, when the senior pastor left, the first thing he did was go on an apology tour, he called it. <laughs> and he went to other churches in, in the city and said, you know, it takes an ecosystem of small churches, smaller churches to feed a mega church. And, um, and so I, I want to apologize. And he listed the activities that their church had done. He goes, as long as I'm the pastor, you won't see us do A or B or C or D or E ever again. And I apologize for the way we've hurt you. And um, and it caused a sense of trust amongst the pastors, the leaders in Buffalo. And they said, what can we do together? And they said, well, let's do the one thing that counts. Let's bring the gospel to every man, woman, boy, and girl in, in the city of Buffalo so that with knowledge they can reject Christ or receive Christ. Because right now they're rejecting Christ without knowledge. And um, and so they, they made their commitment to do that. They brought their maps out and said, we're going to do two things. We're going to start new churches to get the gospel into places where, where existing churches just aren't. And we're going to strengthen churches that aren't doing well. And so they they brought together their map and they said, let's plant a church in this area of town was a kind of a needy, tough area. And someone else said, well, brother, so-and-so is is in this town, in this part of the town. He's been serving sacrificially for years. His church is struggling. Maybe we could help him. And so they went and visited brother so-and-so and said, well, you know, tell us your story. What do you need? And he began to share and, and three or four other churches says, well, we can send you people and we can send you money and we can. And all of a sudden the church began to wrap their arms around one church that was actually trying to make a difference in this part of the city. And, uh, and that church began to grow healthy and began to do, be, become more effective in reaching their neighborhood. They said, let's brought out their map. Let's plant a church here. Another church said, well, that's right close to where ours is, and we'd be glad to be a part of it. I don't know if we can do it by ourselves. And so two or three other churches said, well, let's join together and do this. And so they began to work together on planting uh, a, a church. And um, and you this this selfless behavior, if you measure it over, over that period of time, because it started in 2009, and by the time 2019 came, the rest of North America, with our church growth mindset, our pragmatism, mindset of how do we compete against one another we have diminished the body of christ everywhere and in buffalo new york they're they're up 27 and at one half percent over that same time period 27 and a half percent more people in church in 2019 than there was in 2009 even though the city of buffalo has actually contracted gotten smaller and so you just look at the raw number and you begin to see well this fascination we have had with ourselves when i say ourselves i mean our our local church over the kingdom of god and what christ wants in what's want done in a, in a community is actually killing the witness of christ we're going to continue our conversation with jeff christofferson but if you're thinking to yourself i i want i want a vision um of what that can look like i i want to see the novel is Once You See, Seven Temptations of the Western Church, and we do have audio copies to give away today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. 2023 is almost in the books. We're about to turn the page to 2024, and as we do so, 
what kind of plans are you making to be in the Bible every day? Every day I ask, where in the Word are you today? Which implies that I wholeheartedly believe that you and I need to be in the Word of God every day. If you don't make a plan to do it, you're not going to do it. So I want to invite you into our Bible in a Year reading plan available right now at MyFaithRadio.com. You always say you want to do it. This year, let's commit together to spending time every single day in the Word of God so that every day you'll have an answer to the question, where in the Word are you today? The Word of God will be getting into you before you get out there into the world that God so loves. So get your Bible in a Year plan now at MyFaithRadio.com. We're talking with Jeff Christofferson about the health and welfare of the church. We're talking about the kingdom advancing in our generation. We're talking about um, the reality of what the church is called to be and do versus what we've all just become convinced must be the rhythm of it because it's what we've always known. Um, And so seeing ourselves for who we really are and the reality of the church for what it really is, is a challenge because We've been swimming in a particular water our whole lives. And so you may not even see the temptations of the Western church. And that's what this novel helps us do. It helps us see ourselves. So the novel is Once You See Seven Temptations of the Western Church. It is literally a novel approach to the conversation. Um, It has changed the conversation in my household. Um, And Jim and I, my husband, are trying to figure out how we provoke these kinds of conversations within uh, the community where we live. And I encourage you to do the same. And so read the book or listen to the book. We'd love to um, put you uh, at an access point for that. So if you you want a copy, text the word book to 877-933-2484. We've got some audio copies to give away today. Jeff, when you think about how how you pivot. So, okay, so you've you've told us the story of what's happening in Buffalo, and you've painted the picture in the novel, mm-hmm. and and then and then I go to church, which is a terrible thing to say, and I'm not supposed to be saying it, but that's what happens, um, right? Sunday comes, and I quote unquote go to church. Um, I'm I'm seeking to live as a kingdom person. I I am seeking to advance the gospel in every direction, every day, in every way. Um, but still on Sunday, I go to church. Can you break me of my own, like, thinking on this? Like, I, help me, help me be helped, and then help me turn and help others, because I got, I got to say, it is, um, it is discouraging to be aware of this and then still live in an environment where churches are competing. Yeah. Well, I, I think the the first point or the first step is is really open your eyes and see. Because um, I, I I I agree with you. I think we get we we swim in something and we don't even understand that there's another way. And uh, and when we're reading, you know, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, I mean. We read it sometimes through the lens of, of um, you know, our lens, which is skewed, and then so much of it doesn't make sense. And it's almost like, can you can you pull the lens off and see see things for just what they are? If you just look at at um, at team or body, 
um, there, there's kind of five levels of it. And, um, and, and the lowest is, is competition. That's the very lowest. And so most of us are, or, uh, many of our churches are stuck there. We're, we're, at, we're literally competing with one another, not for um, the lost, but for the evangelically predisposed. And, um, and so we're, we're, if you look at a pie chart and, uh, and you look at what slice of that pie in any given community is likely to, to wake up in the morning and say, let's go to church. It's a pretty small slice. And most of our churches are in that little slice trying to compete with how do we, how do we get everybody in that slice instead of the big piece of pie, the big pie that, that really no one's going after. And so we compete with one another. The, the second level is, is a little better, I guess. I'm not sure it's called, it's called coexistence. And, um, and we just exist beside each other. We don't really talk with one another. We're just kind of okay. You're for Jesus. We're for Jesus. Yay! And um, and uh, and we just sit in our own silos. Uh, operate. There's a slightly better level, and that's a third level, and that's what I would call communication. And so we begin to say, "Oh, well, you know, Pastor so and so in the other church's um, wife just had a stroke." And our church is going to pray for you. And, uh, and so we're, we begin some communication. There's some conversations happening between churches. We're generally kind of for one another and, um, and we're communicating a little bit. Um, the fifth level is cooperation. And so it's like, oh, what, what are some things that we could do actually together that would actually bring some synergy to the city uh, for the for the cause of Christ? And so they say, well, on Good Friday, let's all have a Good Friday service together. We're going to rent the stadium and we're going to whatever. And um, and and so we're getting better. But actually, collaboration is the step. It's even further that says it's, it's what Buffalo did. How do we bring the gospel to every man, woman, boy, and girl. And you draw a circle around your city and you say, how, what kind of people are in this city? And there's bikers. Okay. Who, who's going to bring the gospel to the biker community? And well, we've got some bikers and we got, okay, let's figure out how to do that. Or we got, there's Vietnamese. Who's going to bring the, the gospel to the Viet? Well, and, and you just kind of begin to, to co- collaborate together and um and, you, and the wind becomes a totally different thing the wind is no longer you know we're the fastest growing church the wind is what percentage of our city knows christ and or is at least exposed to christ and um and and so i i think we just we just have to figure out where are we on that train of competition coexistence communication cooperation collaboration and if we're way up on this beginning stages the training wheels um Maybe we need to to dive a little deeper and uh, and get over pragmatism and get towards what is it that Christ wants to do in our city, and um, and so I think I think it doesn't take many because the the truth of it it resonates in people's hearts, and so you you speak the truth and uh, and for many pastors they want their people they want they would like their to hear this from their people because they're a bit afraid to to give this kind of leadership. And if they, they begin to hear like, you know, we, we do desire this, you might be surprised how many pastors lean in towards this. Um, it's a it's it's a beautiful description. 
I imagine that there are some people who are going to say all of those people should be in all of the churches and all of us should be trying to reach everyone all the time. And so this targeted approach um, where we would say, hey, this this group of Christians is actually already proximate to this group of unreached people. Um, maybe if we could think of of this as unreached people groups in our cities, it would be easier for us to talk about. Because I think that when we start talking about, well, there's the bikers or there, um, you know, or there, uh, or there's a particular ethnic group that now has moved in, or there's a particular, or there's, you know, there's students, there's medical professionals, there's service workers. I mean, whatever group of people, and I tend to think vocationally, as I've just described to you, um, but there's also sort of life experience um, or particular people who have identifiable needs. Um, and if we thought of them as unreached people groups, maybe our missional minds would get engaged good. more actively. It's really good. I love that. Yep. So yeah, I, I, think- I, I, bring, I bring that up because I do think there is a, a hesitancy to put people into like to categorize them, to label them, because that makes me sound mm, like, do, do, do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. And, uh, and, and we think, you know, like, I remember, this is just speaking confessionally. I remember thinking, okay, cause I grew up Baptist or not became Baptist later in life. And, um, and so I'd think, well, Lutheran churches are for Lutherans and Methodist churches are for Methodists and Pentecostal churches are for Pentecostals and Baptist churches are for everyone. <laughs> that was honestly what I thought. <laughs> and um, it took a long time for me to realize, no, most people think Baptist churches are for Baptists. And, um, and so what is it that what, if we're, if we're trying to say, okay, we, we really want to figure out how to reach that unreached people group that are just around us. They're, they're looking at our churches and thinking, well, you know, Lions Club or for Lions members, Elks Club, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not, they're not seeing this thing as something for them. And so we have to figure out, all right, let's, let's drop our sort of swagger and, um, and humbly figure out how, how does the gospel fit in their worldview? And um, w- how do we need to humble ourselves? What do we need to drop so that w- there there aren't the barriers to the gospel between that unreached people group and uh, and the ears and the needs that they that they have? And so I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, I will confess to you that as a former uh, Methodist and former Presbyterian who is now Baptist, there is also a, an intellectualism or a socioeconomic way of thinking about one another and who belongs where in what strata as you move up or down. Mm. And um, it's uh, it, that's a huge problem. One of the things I like to do at the end of our conversation each day is offer a blessing. And so I wanted to share with you um, something that some friends of mine have done. They um, they printed out the Aaronic blessing, and you already know this. It's the one that we talk about all the time. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Um, and they hung it over their baby's bed. And every day, every day of their baby's life, they read that blessing. And then grandma and grandpa um, came um, and were, you know, keeping watch one evening. And by then, this little guy um, is three years old, 
And they tucked him in, and they started to leave the room. And he said, wait, wait. You have to bless me. And the words were right there over the crib. It's a powerful testimony. What are we doing to bless others? And what are we doing to put the blessings of God right in front of us? Maybe it's not that particular blessing from numbers. Maybe you want to use a blessing. May the Lord um, bless you. May the Lord give you the desires of your heart and make your plans succeed. May God be gracious to you and bless you and make his face shine upon you. May you experience the love of Christ so great that you will never fully understand it. May you be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It doesn't really matter which um, biblical scriptural blessing you use. May Christ make his home in your heart through faith. I'm wondering if in this year we could speak blessing into the lives of others. Print them right over the bed where you're tucking somebody in. Um, And then be sure to invite them to ask others to bless them as well. Extend your hands right now for a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Be blessed this day, my friend. Have a great day and God bless. I'm Carmen LaBurge. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. Make your gift at MyFaithRadio.com.